Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, hey, if you're new with us today, we are working our way through the book of Matthew in the New Testament. It is one of the four gospels, the biographies of Jesus. Kind of zoom in a little bit more. We've been in chapters five, six, and seven of Matthew, what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Zoom in a little bit more, and we're wrapping up chapter seven. We've been in a series called Built to Last, where we're looking at the things that Jesus says to us about how we can build our lives in such a way so that we will survive and we will thrive even during the storms of life. And with each one of these things that we've looked at the last few weeks, we've kind of looked at something that Jesus said as a, as a building block to help us build a life so that we can kind of do our best through the storms that life brings our way. Um, not too long ago, I was in a different city, was traveling, was in a rental car, and I was sitting in the passenger seat. My friend was sitting in the driver's seat. And so new city, new place, new car. It's all just kind of strange around. We're driving. And as we're leaving the, the rental car place, we're, we're driving away. And he's driving over here. All of a sudden, I look, and we reach this intersection. And this is, it's, it's really difficult for me to explain this because it was a, such a strange intersection. So just kind of track with me a little bit. As he goes through the intersection, it kind of has these, these, these like two lanes that you have to choose from. And there's like this median that's there. And there's a lane to the right, which we drive on the right. Can I get an amen? Right? So there's a lane to the right. And then there's a lane to the left. And as we go through the intersection, my friend swerves over and starts going on the other side of the median down the lane to the left. Now, I try not to be that guy. Do you know what I mean by that guy? The backseat driver in the front seat? Like, I try not to be that guy. So I'm, I'm watching this whole thing. I'm watching him turn. I'm watching him go down the wrong way. And as he does, and I'm just like, I'm screaming on the inside and I'm about to scream on the outside because I go, he's going the wrong way. I look at the other way and I realize that there's no traffic coming from that direction, that it had stopped, that it became a one way, that he was going the right way. And if he'd been on the other side of the median, the side I thought we should be on, that's where the train tracks were. So the way I thought you would go was where that train came through the intersection, I'd have been going down the wrong track, Jack, right? And he went the right way. What's so interesting is the way he went seemed wrong to me, but it was the right way. And sometimes you'll see what seems to be the right way, and it's literally the way that'll lead you to destruction. This is the building block that Jesus gives to us. This fourth one that we're gonna look at here in Matthew chapter seven, we've looked at three. Building block number four is this, enter through the narrow gate. Building block number four, enter through the narrow gate. If you were with us last week, you know that Jesus kinda in, in Matthew seven twelve, when we looked at the golden rule, Jesus kinda wraps up the core of his teaching from Matthew five twenty through chapter six, into chapter seven up verse 12, that's like the heart, that's the core of the Sermon on the Mount. Now he's gonna bring it to a conclusion. And we'll see in about four different ways how Jesus is going to encourage us, he's gonna warn us, he's gonna challenge us, and he's going to say, look, if you are going to do the things I've taught you, if you're gonna live life in my kingdom, because that's what it's all been about. The whole Sermon on the Mount has been, I have come to bring a new kingdom, Jesus said. And in my kingdom, this is how we live. So when we get here to verses 13 and 14, we're only looking at two verses today, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. When we get here, he's starting to give us a bit 
of a conclusion. And he says this, Matthew chapter seven, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Where's this gate take you? Where's this road take you? Well, the whole picture is about life in God's kingdom. So if you're gonna live for him, if you're gonna live your life in God's kingdom, if you're gonna enter into his kingdom, then he says he challenges us to enter through the narrow gate into God's kingdom, into eternal life. So what we're gonna look at today is five important truths about the narrow gate. We're gonna look at five things today, five important truths about the narrow gate, and we're gonna do it in kind of a a unique way today. We're gonna look at, for each one of these truths, we're gonna look at this same passage of scripture, Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. But each time we're gonna look at it from a different Bible translation, each one from a different Bible translation. What do you mean by translation, Chad? Well, if you're new to, to the Bible or church or kind of studying God's word, it's good for us to know that the original scriptures were not written in English. You knew that, right? Thousands of years ago. So the Old Testament was originally written in ancient Hebrew, primarily, and the New Testament was primarily written in ancient Greek. Well, if you don't read ancient Hebrew or you don't read ancient Greek, you need the Bible in your own language, your own heart language. Do you remember when Jeff Dove was here and talked about that? So we have the Bible in English. We're extremely fortunate that we have multiple English translations that we can choose from. The, the kind of the granddaddy of them all is the King James Version done in 1611. Did anybody learn scripture in King James when you were young? When I was a kid, everything was in the King James but thou doesn't speak it that way anymore. Anybody else? <laughs> right, so I don't, I don't typically go to the King James anymore to understand. It's in my brain, because that's a lot of what's in my hard drive. But I wanna read it in a language that I can and my heart can understand. Some translations are done where they stick very closely to even the kind of word order of the Greek language, which means sometimes you read it, it's even a little clunky because the Greek word order would be different than the English word order, right? So, so, but they're very accurate. Others are written in such a way so that they're easier to read, but you get the understanding, even though it might not be as close. Now, are they all accurate? Yes. Do they work hard to make them line up with God's word? God's word is infallible. The translations have some different things. And sometimes, right, they come to us through some different ways. Even if I told a story and you told a story, we wouldn't all use the exact same words. True? Same story, same truths. Like, like, it could even be in such a way, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you tried to explain it and you used your own words and then Paul says something back to me and I go, oh, I wish I'd said it that way. Anybody? Because different people say things in different ways. So that's, that's what we see with these translations. So the first one we're gonna look at today, we'll look at five. And, and let me encourage you, like, this is one of the things that's, that's kind of helpful, especially for us when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading God's word and you get to a part and go, boy, I wish I could understand that more, try reading it from another translation. That's where an app that you might use on your phone or tablet or you, you go to thebible.com or download the Bible app from, from Life Church from YouVersion. More versions than, than we would know what to do with can help us to understand scripture a little better. So the first one we'll look at today is the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. This is one I use a lot when I'm just kind of reading for myself. It's, it's specifically written so that it's accurate, but very easy to understand. Uh, let me show you what I mean. <clears throat> Matthew chapter seven. <clears throat> I didn't clear my throat for effect. I just, I gotta clear it, sorry. 
That's not like I was going, <clears throat> okay, here we go. Matthew 7, verse 13, but I should try that. That was, <clears throat> here we go. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. That's clear, isn't it? The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I read that one, and with each one of these translations, I want you to kind of see a certain nuance in what Jesus is teaching us here. Five important truths about the narrow gate. Here's the first one. Number one, all roads do not lead to God. Number one, all roads do not lead to God. Have you ever heard anybody say that? All roads lead to God. It's kind of a common thought. People like that thought. People enjoy that to think, hey, whatever path you're on, that's gonna lead you to him, lead you to God. And the Bible makes it very clear. All roads do not lead to God. Now, the world says that there are many roads. The world will tell you that there are many roads, many paths, many ways, and that they all lead to God. And when we say the world, that's a culture around us. We hear that frequently. Uh, there's a pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina named James Emery White. And Dr. White has written an article about why this is, that, that so many times people want to think that there are many roads to God. I've, I found it really helpful. He hit a couple of things. He says, one of the reasons we, we think that is because there are just so many religions. Like there's so many religions that are out there. And so because of that, we want to think that all those kind of work together so that we have multiple choices, that there's more than one answer to the question of how do we get to God. Now, you know this, just because you have multiple answers doesn't mean there's multiple ones that are correct, right? Anybody ever taken a multiple choice test? You can have lots of answers that are options, but only one that's correct. And he goes on to say is that we like to have this idea that all religions are basically the same, which is just not intellectually honest. If you take a look at Christianity and Islam and Hinduism, Buddhism, and you, you go on and on, at their very hearts, many of them all say, hey, there's different ways to God. There, there's different ways to finding him. As you study this, to say that all religions are fundamentally the same is just not intellectually honest. It's just not true when you look at this. And then because we don't want to exclude anybody, because, because we want to be open and honest, what we tend to do is we think, well, as long as someone is sincere, then that sincerity will bring them to God. Look, that's not, that's not how truth works. Like, let's just think about it this way. If you bring something toxic into your body, no matter how pure your intentions, no matter how sincere you are in the process, if you put something toxic in your body, it's gonna harm you, isn't it? Anybody know anybody that has a shellfish allergy? Not selfish allergy, that's a different sermon. But a shellfish, where you, you eat some kind of shellfish and all of a sudden it affects your body. No matter how much you like shrimp, all of a sudden your tongue starts to tingle and you start to get decorated with a cool little rash. And if it's severe, you, you start not being able to breathe. And you're sitting at the table and you go, but I just love shrimp. <laughs> and your heart's in the right place because you just love it and you just want to enjoy it. But you put that into yourself. It could kill you no matter how sincere you are. And the belief that, that 
one religious group thinks that it's better or that it's more right than another is something that's just put, pushed back in our culture. How can you say that you're right and I'm wrong? We wouldn't think of that because we wanna, we wanna be tolerant, we wanna be accepting. But the reality is somewhere there's truth and outside of that truth, there's just not truth. True? Let's, let's just do a quick math test. And, and I don't wanna be rude, I don't wanna speak ill of anyone, but let's just say, I really struggled to think that the first service did well at this. Let's just say this. Okay, are you ready to help out here? Two plus two equals much better. But if the person next to you said five, two plus two equals five, I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how attractive they look today. I don't care how good they smell. They're wrong. Because there's a, there's a truth that two plus two equals, and it, it doesn't equal anything else. And yet we have this tendency to go, well, I, I, I don't wanna say I'm right and they're wrong. I don't wanna have a tendency. And at some point we have to come to terms, come, we have to come to terms with the truth. <laughs> that the world says there are many roads and the Bible says there is just one road. And the Bible says there's just one truth. We'll look at this a little bit more here in a minute, but let me give you a couple of different scriptures. John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4.12 says, this is the apostle Peter says, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter two, verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. And he says, there's, there's just one. And I was, I was listening to a podcast recently where they were interviewing a guy who's just written a, a book on the importance of spirituality. And he was describing spirituality as pulling the best out of Christianity and the best out of Buddhism and the best out of Islam and the best out of Hinduism and the best out of Baha'i. And he kept mentioning all these religions and you just put them all together and you pull out all the best stuff and you found pure religion. And he, the Christian interviewer that he, was, that he was talking to, he said to him, see, what you and I have in common is we both love Jesus with all our hearts, and we both believe that Jesus is the Savior. But the interviewer pointed out, but that all falls apart because you don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, that he's the one and only Savior. We like to say he was a great teacher. We like to say that he was a good man. We like to say that he did miracles and wonders, and we even like to say, oh, I love Jesus, but until you say he is the way, the truth, and the life, you actually deny what he said about himself. And in a, not just our world today, but in a world that always has said there's many ways to God. The Bible says there's just one. Which takes us then back to the text, Matthew chapter seven, verse 13. Let's look at it this time, not from the New Living Translation, but let's look at it from the English Standard Version. Same verses, but the English Standard Version is one that's often used in, in like scholarly circles. Like there's a, a heavy commitment to trying to line it up with the Greek, the original language, as much as possible, which sometimes means it's a little clunky to read, but it's really helpful. It's considered very accurate, and it's one, like I said, in many academic circles, they'll use the English Standard Version. Here we read this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. 
what I really pulled out of that verse is the English Standard Version doesn't soften it at all. It says the way to destruction is easy, but the way to life is not easy. <laughs> it's hard. And the second truth I want you to see about the narrow gate, number two, is that following Jesus is not always easy. Following Jesus is not always easy. And I think sometimes in the church, we, we kind of give some mixed signals about that. Like once you become a follower of Jesus, do you, do you find a new kind of peace, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes, do you find joy from Jesus, yes or no? Life, forgiveness, hope, purpose, but is it always easy? No, we tend to confuse that. We think, well, if I follow Jesus, then everything will always be bluebirds and butterflies. And it's not always easy because following Jesus will cost you. And that's good for us to remember. He made it very clear. If you're gonna follow me, we'll see this as we move further through the Gospel of Matthew, but following Jesus will cost you. What does he say? He says, you, you go through the small gate, not the wide gate, not the big gate, not the easy gate. You go through the small gate, which has a picture there that at some point you're gonna have to make yourself smaller to get through it. And it might be crowded. And you might have to kind of work your way through there. Every so often I'll get home, maybe you get home from a trip or you come home with a bunch of stuff from work or whatever it is and I'll have my backpack and I'll have a bag and I'll have this and I'll have that and I'll be doing this and I'll pull in that and trying to carry. Do you, ever, do you ever go to the grocery store and see if you can get every bag in at the same time, anybody? Like somebody's gonna give you a prize because you got them all in, right? And you get to the door and you realize, <laughs> I'm not gonna fit. Like I can't get through there with all this stuff. The only way I'm gonna make it through this door is if first I set some stuff down. And Jesus only permits through that gate the things that he does not restrict. And some of us are trying to drag our baggage through the narrow gate or we're trying to hold on to fear or we're trying to hold on to sin or we're trying to hold on to this and hold on to that. And Jesus just says very clearly, hey guys, <laughs> the door is narrow and small. And if you're gonna get through it, you might have to make yourself smaller and you might have to let go of some things along the way. And when we follow Jesus, we'll see this in a moment, there are blessings that come. But when we follow Jesus, we also have to come to terms with the fact that there may be some things that we have to let go because following Jesus will cost you, and some of you won't like this, but following Jesus will alienate you. Following Jesus will alienate you. Because in a world that says there's many ways, if you're gonna say there's one way and then you're gonna live that way, it may cause others to not like the way that you're living. Jesus makes this very clear throughout scripture. Matthew chapter five, verse 11, he says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus says, if you're gonna follow me, there's a good chance you're gonna be persecuted. 
fast forward this to the gospel, uh, through the gospel of Matthew. Let's get to the book of Acts. Acts chapter two is what we call the day of Pentecost. Today actually is on the Christian calendar, Pentecost Sunday, a day when we remember that the church was born, that the Holy Spirit was given to the church. That's Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost, maybe arguably the most significant day in church history. Then after the day of Pentecost, you get to Acts chapter three, where there's the healing, the lame man in the temple. Do you know that story? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you. And the lame man jumps up. and You got this incredible stuff going on. You got the day of Pentecost. You got miracles. You got thousands following Jesus. Do you know what you get next? Persecution. People being thrown in prison. Eventually people losing their lives because they're following Jesus. And know that Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it will cost you, and it may alienate you. It may even lead to some persecution because you follow me. Years, years ago, I'm thinking Pastor Keith, 10, 15 years ago, uh, Pastor Keith and I took our sons and we went to see the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. As you know, Pastor Keith is a diehard Browns fan. And as you know, I am a Christian. <laughs> Joke's way too easy. It's way too easy. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Steelers fan. Been a Steelers fan all my life. Right? So we go to the game together. Big game, you know. And I go in. Um, I, I go in feeling pretty good about myself because the Steelers, especially at that point in time, had won a lot of games in that house. So I was wearing my gear we tailgated, it was, it was, the wind chill was minus 11 that day, night game, Thursday night game, right? It was, it was ridiculously cold. And we go in there, and not only was it cold on the outside, the Steelers were very cold on the inside, and the Browns won that game. And it became very tense, very quickly, for those of us in the black and gold. And it was at that moment that my good friend looked over at me and Pastor Keith, I remember he said three things. Number one, he said, cover up your gear. <laughs> number two, put your head down. And number three, just like Jesus, he looked at me and said, follow me. <laughs> and I remember we got out of there quick because of who I had aligned myself with in that place I was out of step with a lot of other people and it created hostility and tension because of who I had chosen to follow. So many times in the world around us, we forget that when we put on the gear of Jesus Christ, when we put on the full armor of God, when we choose to align ourselves to him, that puts us in a place where we are in opposition in just the way we live to a lot of the things that happen in the systems around us, true or false. And because of that, sometimes we go, why, why don't they like me? Or why aren't they comfortable around me? Or why, why is it hard for me to live out my faith in that way? It's because you are in a world of people who don't hold on to the same values that you do. And Jesus says, my kingdom has come. But if you live according to my kingdom, there's a good chance you'll be persecuted. In this world, you will have trouble. And just because you follow him, it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. 
Uh, let, let's go back to the text, right? Our text is Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14, but we're reading it from some different Bible translations. So we've read it from the New Living Translation, which is really kind of easy to understand. We've, we've let it, read it from the ESV, the English Standard Version, a little, little more academic and scholarly. There's another Bible translation or version called the Message. Anybody heard of the Message? Most Bible translations have been done by a large group of academic scholars with a lot of rigor. That's not necessarily the message. The message was done by one person, a pastor named Eugene Peterson, who originally only did this. He translated it from the Greek and Hebrew so he could just read it to the church he was pastoring. And then the word started getting out and it became pretty popular and people published it and became kind of a big deal. It doesn't have the same kind of academic rigor. Some people, they don't like the message because they feel like it, it doesn't have the same kind of oomph to it academically and scholarly. I like it because I like reading it because it's one man's commentary on the scripture. It's just Eugene Peterson's idea. I might not hold it with as much value as some of the others, but I like the way that he communicates things because it's a helpful commentary. Does that make sense? Have any of you said stop nerding out? Anybody else? All right, let, let me read this one from the message translation. Again, it's, it's kind of unique. You'll see it here. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Isn't that an interesting translation? Very different, but also when I read it in tandem with the international, New International Version or the English Standard Version, it helps me to understand it better. And the reason I read that one here is because I want you to see the third important truth about this passage. Number three, the crowd is not always right. Number three, the crowd is not always right. I mean, we have a tendency, especially I think sometimes in democratic countries, to think, well, if that's how the most people think, then that must be the thing that is right. The Bible says there is a way that seems right. The Bible says there is a way that seems right. When I was driving with my friend in the rental car, from my perspective, there was a way that seemed right, but it was literally down the wrong track. And at some point, I have to realize that the world around us, the default mode for most of us, is simply just to drift along with the crowd. Whatever the crowd is doing, that's where we're drawn to kind of drift. We're drawn to kind of know that way. The Bible says it this way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Since we're talking about the message translation, let me read it to you from the message. Same passage, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again, it leads straight to hell. Any questions? And at some point, we have to ask, how, how does this fit? Because there's a way that seems right. I, I, I mentioned to you last week that our family had been on vacation, and while we were out, we went and visited this museum. And when, before we got there, we had heard, hey, you want to buy your tickets online, because if you don't, you can get stuck in these really long lines, and you want to be ready, you want to be prepared. So we had our tickets bought online. We got there, and, and we, were, we were standing there, and we were getting ready to go in, and we were looking, where do you go in? Because the signage wasn't very good. And we saw this long line, and we're like, well, that must be it. That's it. There's the door and there's the entrance and all tickets and all this kind of stuff. We're like, well, we must go there. So we got, we got to it and we got to the point where there was this like very long line when we were standing there. That's where the crowd was. That seems like the way that we should be going. 
and fortunately, our, uh, Clayton and Evan, our sons, said, you know, we're going we're gonna to look around and see if there's something different. So they disappeared for a little while. They come back and they said, this is the line for the, lose, for the people that haven't bought tickets <laughs> online. I almost said it, but I didn't. So for them, they're like, we need to go down here. And so we followed them and we realized that the crowd was in a really long line, but we had prepared in such a way so that we kind of got just right in. And if we had just followed the crowd, we would have been in a place we did not want to be. Instead, what seemed right was not right. And there is a way that seems right, and can I tell you, there is a way that is right. And the Bible tells us that we should follow that way, the way that is right. It is a narrow gate, and it is a small road, and sometimes it's difficult and it's not easy, but that's the way not to destruction, but the way to life. How do I know if I'm walking on it, Chad? Next week, like you'll watch how Jesus' warnings, how his encouragements here at the end, they're gonna build and unpack on each other. So we're gonna dig into this a little bit more next week. But this is why he's told us, you wanna know if you're walking the narrow road? Go back and review the Sermon on the Mount. Are you living out the Beatitudes? How do you treat your enemies? Are you responding with hypocrisy? How do you view your treasures? What do you do when you worry? Are you living out the golden rule? Because there's a way that seems right, and then there's a way that is right. One, we, one leads to destruction. Are you with me? And one leads to life. And we want to follow the one that leads to life. As I was putting these notes down, I just felt like the Spirit whispered, in my spirit, some people very much feel alone because everybody around them is, is going down the road that seems right and they wanna go down the road that is right and they wanna follow God's best and God's will for their life and it's not always easy. And can I tell you, your heavenly father will never leave you or forsake you and there is a love from Jesus that is with you that goes beyond what you can comprehend. And Jesus says he has given you his Holy Spirit who is with you, who is always with you, an advocate, a comforter, a counselor who is always right there beside you. And one of the, one of the worst tricks the enemy pulls on us is to make us think that we are all alone, that you're the only one, that you are by yourself. And can I tell you, you are in a room full of people. If you're watching this on a screen somewhere, you are in the company of people who have chosen that same path, not just to do what seems right, but to do what is right. And when the enemy tells you that you are alone, don't you buy it for a minute. Which, which takes us then back to our, our text, Matthew 7, 13, and 14. We've looked at it from the New Living Translation, the English Standard Version, the message. This fourth one we're gonna look at is called the Amplified. Anybody ever heard of the Amplified Bible? You know, sometimes people say that if you can limit your words, you can communicate better. If that's true, the Amplified Version believes the more the merrier, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's longer. It takes like a, a Greek word that might have multiple kind of nuances or meanings and kind of expands on it. So if one word's good, two words better. Can I get an amen? Right, that's the Amplified. Let me read it to you, Matthew 7, 13. But it helps us. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it. 
but small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life, and there are few who find it. And when I read that, one of the things that hit me was this. Here's the kind of the fourth important thing I want you to see about the narrow gate. Number four, the decision is simple, but it is not easy. Jesus says you have a decision. Narrow gate, wide gate. Choose destruction or choose life. That's pretty simple, isn't it? The decision is simple. Destruction or life. Door number one, door number two. Destruction or life. Which door are you choosing, one or two? <laughs> life, right? It's, it's a simple choice. And the Bible does this repeatedly. Like there's these places, not just Jesus, but you also see it in the book of Jeremiah where that choice is laid out. Ma uh, Jeremiah 21, verse eight. Furthermore, tell the people, this is what the Lord says. See, I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death. And Jesus doesn't give us a whole lot of options. We in our culture are used to a lot of options. Anybody ever stood in the cereal aisle? Right? We got a whole aisle, nothing but cereal. Do you want bran? It's right there. Do you want sugar-free? It's right there. Do you want lots of colors and lots of sweet? Yabba-dabba-doo, I want some Fruity Pebbles. Anybody? We have more choices than we know what to do with. What's Jesus say? I'm just gonna give you two. You want life or you want destruction? You want the road to life? Or you want to barrel right into the face of a train? And Jesus says, actually, it's, it's pretty simple. You only have two things to choose from, destruction or life. But don't mistake this. Just because it's simple does not mean it's easy. There's a difference between the two, isn't it? The choice is simple. The journey is not easy. And he says, if you're going to walk this, if you're gonna live this way, the journey is not easy because it's not a, a one-time choice, is it? Just because you choose to follow Jesus today doesn't mean you aren't gonna have to choose to follow him tomorrow. Right? There's gonna be new options, new concerns, new challenges, new, new, new individuals that come into your life, new circumstances, and you chose today, but you're gonna have to choose again. It's each step of the journey. I choose to follow Jesus over and over and over again. And you have to decide that you're committed to the truth because we don't have just an individual truth. It's not just what I could make up. And we really don't have just kind of this corporate truth where everybody gets to decide what the truth is because the reality is something can be legal and still not be biblical, True? And I have to say, like, I'm gonna choose this, this narrow way. And I'll just be honest, like, like, sometimes when we get in these moments, it's tough to choose because we come to crossroads and it's not easy. And we have to center ourselves in who Jesus is again. Have you ever been in a spot? I've had this happen where I'm driving, oftentimes, say, in the downtown of a large city I don't know. And because I don't know what I'm doing and I'm reactionary, I've turned and I've driven the wrong way down a one way. Anybody else? Because in that moment, you're just like, I gotta do something. And you turn, and then your family screams, and you remember that moment. <laughs> but we do the same thing in life. Because life comes at us fast, and it comes at us where we have to make quick decisions sometimes, and just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. And we can't let the crush of other people and the pressure of the culture and all the voices that are there keep us from following Jesus in those moments. And look, some of you are in a tough spot right now because it's not easy. And some of you have thought about giving up 
And thought, some of you have thought about how did I find myself here? And some of you, you just get, well, life's just so difficult right now. And some of you, I just don't get it because I misunderstood. And some of you don't like it because there's things you've had to leave behind. And if you're walking and wrestling through some of those difficult things right now, can I congratulate you? Because that might just mean that you're on the right track and that you're walking through the narrow gate and on the way to life. Well, one last Bible version, and we'll wrap up here. This one is the one we, we use most frequently around here. It's a new international version. It kind of lands in between the, the kind of easy to understand and the scholarly. It's, it's probably one of the most frequently read versions. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. The small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Fifth important thing for you to know, number five, you must make a choice. You don't get the option not to choose. You must make a choice. We, we wanna find the middle way, don't we? Well, can I, just, can I just be in the middle? Not with this one. Jesus doesn't give you that option. You choose life or you choose destruction, but everyone must go through some gate. Everyone has to choose life or destruction. All roads lead to God or Jesus is the only way to God. Everyone must go through some gate. Everybody has to choose. Let, let, me, let me read this passage to you. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. It's another place where God lays out in front of people. You have two choices. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You'll not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. That, that's powerful to me. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. He will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For some of us, this isn't new. We've made a choice to follow Jesus. For others of us, we're kind of trying to decide, do I really wanna do that or not? And for some of you, the Holy Spirit has dropped some things in your heart in the last few moments, and you're going, well, Chad, I just, I just need a little time to think about this. I, I need some time to consider how, how much I really wanna sell out to this Jesus thing. And can I just encourage you with this? Not, not to scare you in any way, but not to choose is to make a choice. You either choose to follow him, or you've chosen to let the drift of the crowd just pull you further and further away from life. The question is, which road will you choose? Like, what is it that God's speaking to your heart about in your family, in your workplace, 
in your ministry for him, in the way that you both are obedient to the things he's whispered into your spirit and in the same way that you say no to the temptations of the devil, in all those things, how is he speaking to you? And choose this day who you'll serve. There's kind of two doors, two ways, two gates, life and destruction. Which road will you choose? Can I, can I leave you with just one other thought? <laughs> Nowhere in scripture does Jesus say, here's the road, and then he shoves you out on it and says, good luck. <laughs> Nowhere does Jesus say, hope your GPS keeps a good signal. Nowhere does Jesus say, right when you get there, what does Jesus say at every point when he calls people? He doesn't say, good luck finding your way. <laughs> every time he says, follow me. Because if you're gonna walk this road, if you're gonna go this path, he said his Holy Spirit's gonna go with you. He's called you to walk alongside of him. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. I know it's not easy, but you can walk that path that road to life, if you will choose to follow him. I grew up in a really cool church. I think I've shared before about how, how the, the pastor that pastored the church that I grew up in, he had actually grown up in the, deep in the Adirondack Mountains of upstate New York. And so every summer for a week, he would take groups of kids from our church and we would go up into the mountains and we would we'd camp up there every year. Some of the most significant and spiritually influential moments of my life happened in the Adirondack Mountains when I was just a little kid. But I remember one, my very first trip, I was nine years old, and I'm just a little kid. It's my first time to ever do anything like this. I remember we traveled that whole day to get up there in this nasty old green school bus. Remember churches with green school buses? And we got up there, and I think we had dinner or whatever, and then Pastor Dalaba said, uh, all right, everybody, kind of Put your stuff down. We're gonna go for a hike. Well, it's the woods. And it was dark. And we'd already heard stories about bear spottings. And I said, I'd rather go to bed, please. We didn't have a choice. <laughs> and I remember we started going out on this hike and a bunch of us, we, we right away, we, we turned on our flashlights. And the pastor said right away, no, 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 everybody put your flashlights out. We don't need those out here. But pastor, how are we gonna see? How are we gonna know? What are we gonna do? What's dangerous? What are we gonna do? He says, here's all you gotta do. Just follow me. He says, what, what I want you to do is just listen to my voice and don't get too far from me and keep your eyes focused on where I'm going and no matter what else is going on around you, you're gonna be okay. Just make sure you follow me. And can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Because Jesus says, I know that the gate is small and that the way is hard and that there's few who find it, but the end of it is life. So follow me. We're gonna pray one prayer, but I wanna kind of pull three groups of people, if you will, into it. The first is this. If, if you know that you've been following your own way, and today you would say, Jesus, I can't do it on my own anymore. I need your forgiveness and I need your peace and I need your strength and I need your purpose and help. And today, Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? You say, I can't do it on my own anymore. Jesus, I give you my life. Yeah, thanks. Hands all over. Anybody else in this room? 
auditorium too, watch and listen to this somewhere. Just raise your hand, put it right back down. I can't do it on my own anymore. Jesus, I give you my life. The second group I wanna pray for today are, are those of you that there is someone that you love, a friend, a family member, who not being judgmental, you just know they are not on the narrow path. And you wanna pray, Jesus, would you help them to get on the way of life and follow you? Your heart is, is heavy for them. And you're praying, Jesus, you could even pray that by name. Jesus, help them to follow you. If that's you, would you just raise a hand? There's somebody in your family, your, your friends, your, your circle. Yeah, thanks, man, so many of us, yeah. Last one, you're here and you say, Jesus, I wanna follow, I wanna go through that narrow gate that you talk about, but it's just not easy right now. And I need your help. If that's you, would you just raise a hand? God, I need your help to stay on that path. Lord, thanks for your word. Your word that, that tells us it is living and active. And so it is active in so many in some of our hearts today. Some of us, God, right now, you're speaking to our hearts. You're speaking to our hearts about following you so that, Lord, in Jesus' name, we ask you to forgive our sins, to be our savior, to make a difference in our lives, to be the Lord of our lives as we choose to follow you. And Lord, some of us have individuals in our hearts who we've just watched them go the wrong way over and over again. Lord, would you use us to, to be your voice, your mouthpiece to draw them closer to you? Would you send people their way who would direct and guide them to the way of life? And Lord, some of us are just weary because it's not easy right now. Lord, may we remember that you didn't leave us out here on our own but that we're following you each step of the way and that you're with us and you'll help us as we look to you. Lord, thanks for your word that speaks so clearly to us. God, would you help us to choose life with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.